0: The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. All right, Pels fans, we've got a new sponsor you guys are going to love. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you earn cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 7,000 early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit www.symbol.com to create a free account, and when you deposit, make sure to use the promo code XYZ to make your deposit risk-free. Visit HTTPS colon backspace backspace symbol.com and use the promo code SD and your deposit will be risk-free. That means even if you lose money, Symbol will refund your initial deposit. No questions asked. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams. All right, let's talk about the Spotify Green Room app. It's live, audio-only sports talk platform. You can talk to me, Chris Connor, other fans, athletes, you can talk to insiders in real time as news breaks. Get in on the conversation that you listen to here every day. After opening night, go to Spotify Green Room, start a conversation with other fans and share your own experiences, share your own takes on the app. This is your chance to be featured. All right, download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join your favorite group. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Sports Drink Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today.
1: All right, welcome to another edition of The Bird Calls. I'm David Grubb. And I am joined by Kevin Berrios and David Fisher should be along shortly. And of course, our editor-in-chief at com, Ali Cosell. Gentlemen, we're back. We're trying to be consistent. How are you, Kevin?
2: I'm good. I'm, I'm all right. I'm tired, but I'm good. Ali, uh,
3: uh, you've been out of town for a while. You're back now? Yeah, I was out of town for one week. Got back late Saturday night. And, uh, yeah, I'm ready for the regular season, man. I'm tired of just talking about Zion's injury and guessing this and that and talking about Griff and how he kind of fumbled the ball with media day and then the follow-up. So I'm just ready for actual basketball. You know that. We all like just the actual basketball.
1: Yeah, but we're going to have to talk about some of this stuff. You know this. We have to talk about some of it because since the last time we uh, recorded, there's been this surge in columns and editorials um, regarding – David Griffin and the organization and its overall level of trustworthiness when it's either discussing Zion Williamson or just in general. My question to you you guys is this, and I'll let Kevin, you go first. Where were the questions or the follow-ups during the opportunities that local media had face-to-face with David Griffin to ask him the questions they're posing now?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's what those guys need to ask themselves. I mean, I feel like, um, all of us, because we aren't a hive mind operation at the bird rights, but there, you know, there was certain members of us and you and I for sure have always been leading the Griff is untrustworthy and, um, just didn't really appreciate the way he handles things and weren't excited about him coming on board. Um, And we used to get sort of vilified for it. And now it's kind of like the thing to do. But when you have the chance to be face-to-face with them and, and hold them to the fire and get that accountability from them that the fans, I think, want to hear and that the rest of the media wants to hear and probably even players and coaches and people within that organization want to hear. Want to have him go on record with some accountability because those guys' jobs... Are all, are also on the line um, because of the things that he's done, the things that he said. Um, so, I I think you know I would hope that going forward, um, you know, you get a little bit more uh, news newsmanism, I guess I should say, newspersonism out of those guys, where they really uh, investigate and and hold them to the fire and ask the tough questions and demand actual answers and not just. Uh, word salad and letting people off the hooks with with things like oh when I said he'll be ready for the regular season I meant at some point in the regular season or I don't play piano I play keyboard Um, things like that you know don't don't let people get away with that and I hope that they don't going forward but it is a little frustrating when you know you get, get we get bashed for it Forever, like talking about the issues that we see, that we could clearly see from day one, and now it's uh, you know everybody board, and it's like the the new story. Although I feel like we've been talking about it for three years now.
1: Um, Ali, let me ask you from a journalistic perspective, in another market with more diverse media. You know, because most of our media in New Orleans is owned by one company, you know, either whether it's the the two newspapers are both owned by the same company. You have one station uh, television station that's owned by the Bensons. You have I mean, so like there's this very protected um, small collective of media. But in another market, do you think that David Griffin or the organization would be able to get away with being this closed mouth about the things that they've Talked not talked about or being this misleading about the things that they've been misleading about.
3: Well, they could maybe get away with it, but here's the thing: their feet would have been held to the fire because we know, like for instance, in Portland, there's a lot of things that have been done by that front office that has driven local media there crazy, where they seek answers or they're deceived or something along those lines. But yet, you know, the status quo remains. But the point is that they, they're asking much tougher questions up there, um, and Without a doubt, David, whether this if this had taken place in New York, you know, L.A., any kind of big market or a basketball town. Right. That's the other thing we've got to factor in here, too. The NBA and basketball so far down the list. I was told that when I first got here. Right. It's the Saints. And then what follows that? LSU. And after that, really, it's, it's high school football and even LSU baseball, I was told. And nothing's really changed over my seven years. I've been here since moving uh, back from Mobile. So when you've got that, when you've only got a handful of guys and the coverage is, and it's true, when you're, when you're much a tighter-knit uh, coverage, you're more on friendlier terms. It's, 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 just, it's just the way it is. That's what I've kind of been told, and that's kind of my perspective on seeing things. doesn't make it right, but access is important. And when you're a local small-time media trying to make a name for yourself in this business through journalism, of course – you know, you can't step on bridges right off the bat because this is usually your entry point into the market, right? So long story short, I can can see why it's happened the way it has, why Griff's, you know, kind of been able to dodge, not even dodge because not enough bullets have been fired his way, but they should have, right? And that's the bottom line. And, you know, it it just shocked me when he said just four days ago, right? He's talking about, I think Will had asked a question. He says, no, I didn't exactly say um, the start of the season Zion would be ready. Come on. We all know that he didn't mean at any point during the next six months. I mean, that's what drove me crazy. That was the first thing that jumped in my head because everybody insinuated the vibes were there that Zion would be ready, but he wasn't. And then Griff decides and, and does with just one question, sidestep that whole issue. That wouldn't have happened in New York, David. You know that. You've been in Boston. You you covered what? Up there for a couple of years, the, the professional sports and stuff. So, yeah, I mean that—that's that, all I've got on that, and I don't really want to dwell on it anymore, you know, because we're past it now. Yeah, it's just—it's
1: just the—the—the it's just the, the thing that gets me is—is is just now that it has become in vogue to do it. Um, I think it—it it does have to go back, and we have to assess all of these things in as a group, and they have to become canon here instead of acting like this is a new and sudden development, we have to understand that this is a pattern here and that, that this is, there is a fan base now that is really engaged because, you know, Ollie, when, when this stuff hit last week, you had Mm -hmm. 700 plus plus people on Twitter getting into a chat room just so Mm -hmm. that they could yell and vent about how they felt about the organization. And that to me is the kind of engagement that, that the Pelicans have been begging for, but they stirred it in a completely negative way. You could have had this engagement in a positive way. And that's what we've, been, we've tried to be a part of with the bird rights and with the bird calls is to be part of a positive engagement in creating a basketball culture in New Orleans. And you have this spontaneous combustion of negative energy to bring 700 plus people together and have to have Antonio Daniels jump in and calm people down and get them off the ledge because they were so pissed at the way that the franchise has handled itself. And I mean that I want that level of engagement. And I think you do too, because that's what gets people to come to our, to, to our site. But ultimately the Pelicans could have done this without having to screw themselves into it. Like there is such a thing as bad publicity.
3: And they create bad publicity for themselves. Yeah, but David, we do understand why it happened, though, right? There's a lot of other um, priorities kind of floating around in David Griffin's Look, sphere, right? And that's Namely the problem. Number one, tickets, selling tickets, right? But Had that announcement happen on a media day, guess how many tickets they probably would have sold for the first two weeks? Of
1: but season. now everybody's going to not show up.
3: I <laughs> and know, sure, but they I sold but the I'm tickets, saying, but it's going to yeah. be an
1: embarrassment to see how empty it is on opening night. And it's you know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen is that there are people who are just going to say, I'm not going. And Philly's not traveling. Those people are coming down here to, you know, there's not going to be a casual walk-up group of Philly fans. So, I mean, it's going to look bad. And it's going to look bad either way because people will also boo. This is what New Orleanians do. When they feel cheated, they boo. And that that remember, that's why they had to take – Alvin off of the thing, mm-hmm. off of the board, because people were booing him, even though they were going the way to the playoffs. He didn't get his name announced till the postseason. And it's like, this, you think that's not going to set these folks off from day one if Zion Williamson walks out there and sits down on the bench wearing a suit and looking, potent, you know, quote unquote, looking overweight? Do you think that's not going to provoke these people to
3: boo? It is well, well especially if they get off to a bad start That's, Kevin you know
2: yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> all right let's move yeah, on I, mean, I I've been in the that arena and I've been you know for whatever reason like my seat my season tickets were always next to uh David Wesley's family and then when um Antonio Daniels uh got David Wesley's job they were then next to Antonio's da- Daniels family. And then um a few rows up for me for some reason all of a sudden Griffin and Trajan Langdon used to sit there and you would see like, you know, people were making sure that their comments were flying at at those guys um uh, the year the year before last the bubble season. Um because I wasn't in there last year hardly anybody was anyway, towards the end till the towards the end. But uh yeah. People are passionate and they definitely, you know, I mean, we're, we're not a rich city, so people value in their time. And if they don't feel like they're getting their money's worth and they can vent it to the person who's directly responsible for it, they definitely do. So trust me.
1: Yeah. Let's move on. Um, Ali, what do we know about the current status of the health of people not named Zion Williamson B.I., Jackson Hayes, are there any other concerns heading into the opening night?
3: Now, fortunately, that's where there's some good news, right? It sounds like that everybody's going to be available for the opener. Um, uh, Was it Brandon Ingram has been practicing? Josh Hart and Nikhil, who missed the scrimmage, have practiced as well since then. Jackson Hayes, they think, will be ready, right? Because he had sustained that pretty darn serious ankle injury to where he thought initially – he had done something a lot worse, but thankfully he hadn't. But yet it's still kind of, I think, up in the air as to whether he'll be ready. But from what I'm hearing and, and, and the vibe I'm getting, I think he will be, right? If not, maybe for Philly, then then probably the next game or two. So without a doubt, no big losses, right? Everybody should be pretty much ready, of course, except for that main guy, Zion.
1: Well, I'll say this, Um and, and, and I'll ask Kevin this as well. My concern then is if, let's say Jax does miss opening night, so you're without Jackson Hayes and Zion Williamson in your front court, you're not very big going up against the Philadelphia team that is very big. Kevin?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, obviously Embiid, and then they have Drummond now, and, um, who apparently is much bigger. For other reasons uh, than he has been apparently, from what I've been hearing, uh, and then you know, like the curse of of being a Pelicans fan, you get that guy returning. With how Ben Simmons might, is possibly going to be playing against us, who's also another big guy that we need to put a body on. And uh, so Jackson Hayes is very uh, for this for this game coming up because behind the only other big guy we have on this roster is uh Hernan Gomez after uh so you know if they get foul trouble and we have to rely on Hernan Gomez to defend those guys it's going to be a long night yeah
3: but I do have to mention I, I wasn't clear Jackson Hayes did practice right but I'm just not sure if if what they said is they're gonna to have to check to see how he's in the next morning right did he develop some right. soreness right that's that's the big key but like either I said, I way think- yeah. Either yeah, way, you're stuck
1: you have like basically three centers and no fours. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what your roster is, is three centers and no fours. And you can't play Valanciunas more than 30 minutes. That's not what he does. You know, mm-hmm. and then you're not gonna play Jackson 30 minutes on his first night back from a sprained ankle. And you certainly don't want to play Willie 30 minutes if you don't have to. The question then is that you know, if there if, if you get into a foul trouble situation with that front court. And you're forced to play small ball, it's gonna be really tough because you also have a Tobias Harris play who can play the three and the four, mm-hmm. who's six and nine, right. you know, and, and and has length and power. Um, so it's like it's, Yeah, and it's, behind it's, him,
3: don't they have Niang? I mean, he, he's yeah, a much of got, a bruiser, too. And he's been
1: playing yeah. better as of you know the last year of his career, he got much better last year. You know, I mean it's a it's a very long and big team for Philadelphia, and the Pelicans have more length at the three spot. But the four and the five there's just not a lot of depth there, and that's yeah, and David, that's, David, my that's biggest a concern area. we've always had
3: yeah, back up behind Zion. there's never been somebody brought in. you know we had all talked about Paul Millsap, a few other names uh, at the starter free agency, but nobody was signed, of course, so yeah, I think I, you're absolutely right from that standpoint. that is a concern because who's going to body up with him? Is it going to be Josh Hart? I mean, I don't know and look, you're
1: playing you're going to what you're going to do Garrett Temple, Josh Hart, and maybe. Um Najee Marshall at the four is that your rotation then and or and or if they go small and put Brandon at the four
3: yeah I don't know I, I don't know if they're gonna be messing around with Brandon's role too much right we've seen how that didn't go so well um previous years and, and they're gonna I mean I know he's stronger and all this and that but I, I think there's a lot of players that can pretty much bang if needed right I, I I'd be, I'd be willing to bet that maybe even Trey Murphy would be given a chance ahead of Brandon at the four, right? I be don't want there. Trey so, anywhere banging. I those don't people want him to saying that there's, there's more interchangeable parts where B.I. won't have to do it, right? Won't be
2: asked to do it.
1: Ooh, Kevin, what are your thoughts on Trey banging down at the four?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think he. I mean, even though Tobias Harris is, he's still sort of a perimeter four, even though he is a lot stronger and bigger, and maybe because of the matchup he would go you know bang uh, down low uh if Trey Murphy's guarding him but I don't I don't know I, I mean I always envisioned that Najee and Trey were going to be the fours and Ingram would be the three mm-hmm. I mean I, I I trust Trey over Barrett Temple for sure uh mm-hmm. he at least has some length and some athleticism um and then you know Najee's Najee's smart He's a smart defender. He, he's going to give up size, obviously, to uh, Tobias Harris. But, um, you know, I think that's the best route. I, I And like Ollie said, I mean, we're already shuffling the deck so much, changing the whole system with Zion out. How much do you want to throw another wrench into it by having Ingram in another role? I, I think you try to stick Ingram in his role as much as possible and, and then uh, work everything else around that. So... I'm more inclined to side with Ollie on that. I'd rather have Najee and Murphy um, than have an undersized heart and um, Garrett Temple trying to guard him for sure. Yeah,
3: and hey, I, how about this? If if the game's going a bad way, especially at that position, if I'm Willie Green, why not maybe try Herb Jones, right? I don't know.
1: I don't, I'd like to see him try Herb no matter what. And I, I'll say this before we get into something else, because this was something that was brought up on Twitter. And I'd say this, look. I like Herb in the starting lineup actually to begin and when we get deeper into our lineup discussion, I'll tell you why, but I, I, I think I have good reasoning for that. Um, are there any other positions though besides that four spot that, um, we look at the roster as constructed today and say, um, I'm a little concerned about this position. Um, For me,
2: I'm I'm a little from
3: my standpoint. No, I, I, You know, I I see depth at every position.
2: I'm a little concerned about. I'm a little concerned about two guard. I mean, I think Na is going to be fine. I think, I mean, I have a lot of faith in him. I think he's going to have a great breakout year. But outside of him, I mean, unless you're going big, where you're going to be Najee, Trey, and Ingram together, and one of those guys is going to be your your two guards for a stretch, um, you know, I don't know about Josh Hart playing the two very much. He doesn't really the floor. Um, I don't know, I think it takes him away from what he does best, uh, which is just hustle and work around the rim for rebounds and do all that little dirty work. He doesn't have the quickness to really guard um, twos and his size isn't really an advantage against twos. Um, So that's an area I'm concerned with because, you know, then it's what Garrett Temple, I mean, Saturansky can play there. Um, But, you know, as much as I like Saturansky, he's in the preseason, he's looked very pedestrian. So, and I think he's better as a, as a point guard ball handler than a two guard. And he doesn't have that quickness either to, um, to defend the, so um, that's an area that I'm concerned with. And then we already talked about center, especially if you remove Jackson Hayes from the mix. Um, Hernan Gomez is fine spot moments, but you don't want to have to play him 20, 25 minutes a game. He basically is a solid defensive rebounder and really doesn't give you anything else.
1: Fish. It's interesting um, you,
3: mentioned, I was say, it's interesting you uh, mentioned Sadoransky. I just want to say, because he actually talked about playing off guard today. So I've got a feeling we're going to see both he and Kyra in us, uh, uh, together during a couple of the rotations, uh, in Wednesday's game, and fish. it's something as Sato said that he does have experience doing, so at his size, and he can hit the open 3 I'm, that, that's yeah. what I meant yeah. by I'm not too worried. We don't have a buddy, he does, he's not right. going to defend the two well, though. And and no, that's but defensively. Backups, he'll be okay, he's always but, been kind of I'm, okay, I think.
1: We'll see, I mean, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, fish, what we're talking about right now is uh, positions of concern as far as um. Where the Pelicans may not have enough depth. Uh, So far, we brought up the four spot uh, because there is no real, you know, experienced NBA four um, on this team while Zion Williamson is out. Um, And then we were just talking about Kevin brought up the shooting guard spot and his concerns there. Um, I also think really uh, end of shot, uh, end of shot clock creation, to me, is a problem while Zion is out. Because you only have Ingram and Nog to do that, I don't look at the uh, at a lot of these other guys as people who will create um, a good shot late in a shot clock. They are they'll be very dependent, and I don't know if the rhythm is there early on. Any thoughts for you on on positions that you might be concerned about, or why? Um,
4: my 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 biggest concern is on the wing, just in general, and it's more a situation of can they get the right mix because you have a couple of players that are very defense heavy or can't do much on offense, more like it. In um, especially um, Herbert Jones and, um, and Najee Marshall and you don't really want to try to play both of those guys. So how do you sp- together at the same time? So how do you split them up and then, your your other options tend to lean more offense. Um, so that's that's my one concern. And then my other big concern on this roster, and actually my biggest concern um, since they kind of finalized things, was how do you get Kyra the minutes to develop when you have another small point guard in Devontae Graham and you probably don't want to play – Two six foot one guys together at the same time. Um, that that has been my concern. Um, I mean, the center depth, I'm not terribly concerned about right now because from everything we've heard, Jackson's 100%. He's expected to be a full go. Um, I really Hernan Gomez, and in terms of your third center around the league, is perfectly serviceable. And I think the issue is most teams if one of their, you know, centers goes out, the the depth is shallow around the league in general. So but my biggest concern actually is at the point guard position, um, because your options are either you always have to stagger Devontae and Kyra, or Kyra doesn't get any development minutes. Um, or you consider that you I mean, even if you're even if you're playing Devontae Graham at the two, um, you're still not gonna pair him with Kyra and I mean, you don't want to get in a situation like we've already talked this for, for months now, Nikhil's in his best role when he feels like he can be aggressive and he doesn't need to be setting up other guys. So really the blend of having two small point guards on the roster, one of whom is absolutely going to get minutes because he's good in Devante and another who you want to develop in Kyra. How do you get that squared away? That is my, my biggest concern depth wise on the roster.
1: I get that too, because yeah, if you're, if you're playing Devante 30 minutes a night, that's 18, that's only 18 minutes where Kyra can be on the floor without Devante. So those, if those are the only minutes that he's, that are available, he's not going to get all 18 of those minutes. You know what I mean? Like they're going, somebody is going to get some of those minutes. So how many minutes a night is he really going to get? Um, I don't think that they're really that, you know, if he's getting 10 to 12 on a consistent basis, that's probably what you'd be looking at.
2: Yeah. I think we should say though that, I mean, while we're pointing out these holes in the roster that, I mean, I, at least I feel that this is probably the deepest team. They fielded in a while, I, I don't know how you guys feel. So I think it's, it's not deep like as in versatility,
1: I think it's mm-hmm. the deepest as in versatility, especially on the wings, but, it's still shallow in in, like every time Griffin builds a roster, there is a void in a noticeable place and not Mm -hmm. having a backup for Zion is a noticeable void and not having a a understanding of who's going to lead that backcourt to me is a noticeable void. Um, Like those are two things that just concern me. Um, So I think like, yeah, Overall, you have more guys who can switch and play different positions, but you're also counting on a lot of young guys, again, to think the game of basketball well on a nightly basis with a first-year coach. And all those things are concerns to me, too, when you look at the makeup of the roster. Like individual these pieces, if you put them in front of me, I'd
4: like a lot of the pieces. Mm -hmm. Putting them together, I'm not as sure as the collective. It's just on the young side. that that's the biggest thing is that you look at i i I think if you try to get through the pelicans front office view of the roster and like who do we have as a a backup power forward and they would say well brandon ingram can log some of those minutes naji marshall can log some of those minutes herb i get that i hear you i mean essentially josh hart is going to log some of those minutes even six five. I mean, essentially that's the position he's playing when he's out there. So, but I mean, I mean
1: having I people the- to having people to fill the minutes is not the goal. It's having somebody to fill the minutes effectively. You know what I'm saying? Like that's yeah. that's my thing. is like, sure, you got people who can fill the minutes, but is it gonna do what's gonna do is it gonna do the things that's gonna help you win? And that's my concern there.
3: David, you brought up a good point, um, David Grubb. Because you at first had just asked positions, but then you mentioned touched on leadership. And you're right. There's a huge void. And it's going to be real interesting to see, right, is Brandon Ingram going to finally fill that role that he's tried to and has honestly failed more times than not, especially in late game situations. But I've also been hearing a lot of positive about Devontae Graham. There's going to be a lot of trust placed in him. And we know Nas not hurting so for me, it's going to be, can these guys combine to be an effective force together? Which, again, isn't really answering your question, right? Because it's still not an example of leadership. No. I know that they're going to at least try, right? Because they didn't get Kyle Lowry. They didn't get somebody that's going to be un- the undoubted band leader out there. Like
1: Devontae Graham in his fourth year can't be the leader of this team. His for- fourth year in the league and his first year on the roster. Well, you better hope he's
3: going to bring something, right? He's know I'm saying, sure,
1: he should bring something to the yeah. roster, but he can't be the voice. If Devonte Graham well, is well, sounds the like voice,
3: they're trying to push him to be a voice. So I, I guess it's not oh, the main point I'm trying to make here. Because who else Devante is going to If Devontae Graham be, and Garrett Temple are the leaders of this team,
1: no, that's it can't a be failure. a guy
3: that's just a menial role player. That's a failure. Example.
1: It has to be. You, it has to be one of your two best guys. It has yeah.
3: to. be. Right. But I'm saying he's going to get some assistance. I foresee from Devonte and Nikhil. That's just going to happen, kind of almost naturally, because they're going to get those minutes. And they're being pushed into those roles, from what I can gather. Fish, your thoughts on leadership?
4: Um, you know who wants to grab it and take it? It's going to be Nikhil, especially if they put him in the role that we've been talking about as a sixth man. Like, he'll grab that. He'll grab that by the throat. It might not necessarily be successful or pretty all the time. If you want him to grow into being the guy that I think a lot of us now think he can be, um, there's going to be some failure along the way. Um, and, I mean, they keep on talking about oh, Zion's using his voice more in, you know, in warmups and the little parts of practice that he, like, I, I'm just resigned to the fact that the team has another superstar that isn't a vocal leader. And it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. That's the situation. Cause if you can't depend on, him, depend on Brandon, and Andy, like, that, that's a problem structurally with the organization um, that I don't think, I don't think you can fix via trade or free agency. Our two Mm -hmm. superstars don't know how to lead. Like, I mean, it's, it's at at some point, if those guys are who you think they are, that, that comes, that's, that's in the job description, description. Let's go. I mean, That's yeah. To be franchise player, you have to want
1: to be the franchise player. Um, Let's go to the next thing. We're each going to give our opening night starting five. Then our opening night. Okay, we'll do. We we'll just let everybody go and give all three. Your Ali, give me your opening night starting five, your opening night closing five, and your top five reserves.
3: Okay, so starting um, is going to be Devonte, Nikhil, Brandon Ingram, Najee Marshall, and Jonas Valanciunas. Closers, I'm tempted to stay with the same unless there's one of two things going on. If you need more defense or rebounding, Josh Hart maybe closes in place of Najee, or if you need the shooting, possibly Trey Murphy. Um, but other than that, I, th- I think that's that's what they're going to have to deal with while uh, Zion's out.
1: And your top five reserves from the off the bench.
3: Okay. The sixth, and
1: seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, guys.
3: Right. Well, yeah, see, everything's a little bit disjointed, right, with Zion mm-hmm. out. So right now, as it stands, it's going to be Kyra, uh, Sadoransky, Uh, Trey Murphy, um, Jackson Hayes, and who am I forgetting? Oh, Josh Hart. Hart. Yeah.
1: Okay, so there's your five. Um, Kevin, we'll let you go second. Who's your starting five, your closing five, and your first five off the bench?
2: So my starting five while Zion is out is uh, Sadoransky, Nikhil, Najee, Ingram, and Valentinus Closing five is this. The same except Sadaransky comes out and Graham comes in, and then um, Murphy, uh, Jackson, Josh Hart, uh, Kyra, and um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say the Jones.
1: All right, um, Fish oh, oh, starting five, closing five, first five off the bench.
4: What you did? Right. Yeah. Um, so my my starters. What I want to see would be um, Devante and then Trey Aji and Jonas and then to finish um, hold Devante or Trey depending on if you're going offense defense and keel in there and then off off the bench. You will obviously be your sixth man with Saransky, Hart, Herb Jones, and Jackson Bates
3: as your second. All right.
1: I, I like your starting lineup. Um, uh, you guys are I, throwing
3: I, Trey Murphy into the fire like that,
1: huh? Yes, because this is why, I, you know, okay, there are two two reasons why I like his and then I in mine. I like Trey Murphy in that starting lineup because it's an easy role to step into. All he has to do is move off the ball and shoot and defend on the other end. It's a role that he can do as a starter or off the bench. He doesn't have to change. He doesn't have to change his mindset. He has. He knows his job. He'll do that job. Now, I'll make my argument for, uh, for Herb Jones in a starting lineup, too, is I'll say this. If it's not Najee at the four, I would start Herb for this reason and, and keep Nikhil on the bench as the sixth man. Because I would like to have that one person, or if you do have to start Nikhil, I want one person in the lineup who is just going to do dirty work. The one problem I would have with Najee is that sometimes Najee falls in love with shooting. And he wants to be too aggressive offensively. I think, again, that's why I like Najee in a reserve role. If you put Herb Jones on the floor, you can start him. And if he gets in trouble, you pull him and you bring somebody else in. But what he does, is he brings you energy immediately. You don't have to write a play. You know, you know he doesn't need to play. You just say, dude, guard, rebound, and do what you do. And, and I think it's, a, it's something that for a rookie, that's something he would have no problem with. Um, and like I said, you can pull him very quickly.
3: David, I like your, your idea of Herb Jones better than Trey Murphy, and here's why. NBA defenses are so hard for rookies to learn when they're just coming in the league. And I know Trey's got the potential, and we've seen glimpses individually. But I saw him lost a few times in some schemes, but Herb wasn't, right? So I, I would actually lean towards him
2: despite, you know, you're going to miss the offense from Trey.
1: Yeah, I like Herb. Uh, Kevin, any thoughts on on that?
2: No, I mean, I like him too. Uh, I'm skeptical about uh, him offensively and how that works. I feel like Brandon Ingram needs – I know he's a, he's a good playmaker, and he definitely gets to the rim very well. But like in summer league, he could not finish. Uh, he was those those he was finishing around the rim better in preseason. But I'm just worried that you know you're just going to have another defender roaming free uh, when he's out there. Um, so while I do like him, I I need to see more out of him offensively, and I I think we need somebody else uh, to get the pressure off of uh, off of Bi while he's out there. So that's why I like Nog, in the starting lineup. Because he's a guy that can create for himself, um and and is very willing to and he can also create for others. Um so that's why for me, while Zion's out, I think Nod needs to start. Um to, so that we don't start flat and have those lulls where we where the where the team where you know the opposing team comes out on a eight oh run or something like that, we have to immediately call a timeout. I think we need some guys that can create to to keep up, even if the de- defense is a little bit behind. I think with the starting lineup, I had everybody's pretty big uh, and long. So, you know, while they have defic- deficiencies defensively, if you can at least have them playing the passing lanes pretty well, you can get some cheap turnovers and some transition opportunities. Um, so that's why I went that way. I wouldn't mind, though, if if Trey was in the starting lineup instead of uh, sataransky and you just kind of rolled with, Naw as a point guard and bi as a point guard.
3: Um, no, no, i don't
2: you know i don't know no. i don't really like it um but i see you know that's why i i think sadaransky should be in there just to have like that veteran point guard presence to kind of settle things down especially when it's in the half court um but i see value in having a guy like trey murphy out there with two um sort of like one level below point guard making uh guys like Nikhil and, and B.I. on the court as well.
1: I'm, before I switch it to pass it to you guys, I just want to say this. My main concern is not so much in the starting lineup about offense because the Pelicans, oh, cool. you know, like I think you have to – to me it's staggering the offense, um, but creating something where you have a functional defense to start and what it's about is your rotation going throughout the course of the game because the starting lineup only has to be together for about five minutes. And then you can start tinkering with it, um, and changing your lineup as need be to the situations of the game. And if you if that group can't hold it together to me in five minutes, if you're falling behind that much, then you. I mean, yeah, you have plenty of times to adjust that. But to me, it's ultimately about getting off to a good defensive start because this team is no matter what is going to be disjointed offensively to start the
4: season. Uh, Fish your
1: thoughts, and then we'll go. Yeah, I agree on that.
4: I agree on that, and I think offensively, I mean, I know Brandon Ingram's the headliner, but Brett, Brandon Ingram to me is not the head of the snake of this team offensively when he's on um, With the roster that's built right now, I think that um, the offense should go through Jonas a lot. Um, he's the most efficient scorer. Um, he's not necessarily a great passer, but if you play the post and he's an incredibly um it's going to get easy shots and easy looks for guys who are good catch and shoot guys um and i mean uh, i i feel like you have a pretty good solid offensive structure if you have Devonte and brandon ingram and jonas out there on the floor and then those other people, what you want is some more shooting and then you want as much defense as you can go. Oh, Trey Murphy for shooting and some defense. And then either Najee or Herb just be like, go out there and defend your ass off. And you'll probably get some catch and shoot threes. get your feet under you, and put it up for a zoo. And don't run. And we'll live with the results. And then go back and play defense. So I like where your hits at. You and I are of a very similar mind on that.
2: Ollie. Ali? I don't disagree with that, but I just say that, like, Mm -hmm. when you look at our defense, it's going to be bad because we don't have a rim protector. And that's the basis of of having a good NBA defense. So that's why I'm more geared towards like, okay, let's see how we could get some cheap defensive help, but also like thrive offensively, because that's going to be our bread and butter until the defense figures itself.
3: See, I'm, not that, I'm not that worried about the defense because Jonas Valanciunas actually has proven to be honestly a better paint defender than even Steven Adams the last few years. And I think with his big body he's actually a slightly better rebounder, that's going to help. And then you've got everybody else just from an effort standpoint, they're going to be improved upon. And mm-hmm. I felt like in preseason, I thought I saw a lot of good stuff happen defensively. It just, it didn't show up because in transition they were murdered because of all their turnovers. So well, where, David, you mentioned in one of your recaps, they were giving up like on average 30 points off the turnovers in those three losses. So you didn't get a good read on the defense overall. But I, I feel like starting Najee and, and having Valanchunas back there and just some effort from behind, you know, Nikhil's going to give you some effort. And I, I, I honestly, I saw Devontae as, as Fishman. So I saw him in all the games really fighting over the screens, as was Kyra. So there's a different mindset and mentality that, like I said, I'm pretty confident. I'm actually a little bit worried offensively. Because I know that we didn't have our starters that are going to be starting Wednesday's game out there in preseason. But yet, it's hard to not – it's hard to overlook the fact that they were just porous. those poorest porous starts by the starting lineup in each of those four preseason games. So, and the 20 I don't know. It's, it's just a chemistry like, thing. I'm not yeah, saying there's true. no talent because I agree with Fish that you can rely on. Valanciunas, Ingram, and Devontae. But I still think chemistry, they're still going to have issues with that. So, that's my biggest concern.
1: Yeah, that's how you get 20 turnovers a game and those three losses during the preseason is because right. – those guys have not been on the court together. And, and you see,
3: this is why I'm afraid of starting Trey Murphy or Herb Jones, because that's only going to add to the confusion on my end. I think that's why Willie Green has been leaning towards Garrett Temple. Oh. I just truly really think that's why we've seen what we've seen.
1: <laughs> okay. I'll say this too. On the Brandon Ingram front is now, I wonder which Brandon, what type of Brandon Ingram do you see? Because do you see the, Alvin Gentry at Brandon Ingram, who was like, I'm going to ISO and take these shots. Do you see, you know, how how does he adjust in this? Because that's a a huge thing in this. Does he go for, does he figure, I got to put up 30 tonight, every night? Or does he find ways to be a scorer and improve the other people? Or, you know, is Brandon Ingram capable of being that guy? Because even with Alvin, he was scoring, but they weren't winning. And we know the injuries. I'm, I understand that. And, but I'm just saying, do you think at this stage he's able to score effectively every night and elevate this team to the point where it's winning?
4: My hope is to the point where Brandon Ingram says the points are going to come and I'll get them where they are. Um, but I don't need to go out there and score 30 tonight. What I need to do is I need to give it both ends. That's just my two cents. If, if Willie can get him to buy in on the defensive end, if we can do, if we can play both ends of the floor, we're a lot closer. Gotcha. Kevin.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think I, I go back prior to Brandon Ingram coming here. Do you, you remember uh, he, for a long stretch with the Lakers, he was actually playing their point guard position and he had, he showed, like a, a good bit of ability to create for others. And I think if he's running, if he sticks to Willie Green's system, we know Willie Green's system is supposed to be about get into those ISO situations. But knowing that he can do those things is very important for, you know, into the shot clock, big moments, things like that. You want him to be the guy taking those shots because he is the, the star player right now. I, and I do agree with what Fish said about Valanchunas. He's a very good low post player that they should run a lot of the offense through. But I think when you get into crunch time and you need that big bucket, it should fall in Brandon's hands because one B to Zion's one A, obviously. Um, so I think he does have that potential. Um, I think, you know, I know his cl- cr- uh, clutch time numbers haven't been great over the years, um, but I, you know, hopefully, it was a product of the environment because I think he has all the tools he needs to, to become a better shooter in those positions. Um, and, and I've seen him run an offense with the Lakers and it looked pretty decent. I saw him play pretty solid defense there as well. Um, so hopefully with um, post Alvin Gentry, post the coach, he couldn't in the, He's bought into Willie Green's system, and we see a different Brandon Ingram this year. Um, even though the, the Brandon Ingram we saw the last two years was a, still a, a very good player, um, but hopefully he just takes it up another notch when he's bought into a system and is happy in the environment that he's in again.
1: Ollie, I think uh, I want to get your thought on this. Do you think how important is it that Brandon Ingram and that Willie Green reinforced to him um, about? being decisive you know what I mean like that's the one thing I think that more than anything offensively that that inhibits Brandon Ingram is being decisive when he's decisive with the basketball he thrives when he tries to create things and create situations he tends to get bogged down do you think that this offense that Willie Green has set up is is going to work for Brandon in that regard
3: I do I think that's part of the reason that he's been stressing the point five to everybody so that because last year, it was, if there's no fast break opportunity, let the ball find B.I. or Zion. That was what Stan did. Everybody knew that. Lonzo, go stand in the corner. Everybody else, go fill your roles on the floor. That's not going to be like that this year. What I do think, though, is I think Brandon's, and and I'm writing an article on him right now, trying to get it out before the season opener. But I think he's, dude, uh, and possibly going to make that next step and to be almost on the level of, say, Donovan Mitchell, uh, Jamal Murray, Jason Tatum, kind of like with those guys. He needs to get to that level, I think, and I think he can. And I thought in the first game, the only preseason game he played, he looked a little too much to try and make plays for others because I remember him having two turnovers right off the bat. And then in the third quarter, he started looking for his own offense, right? He scored, I think, four jumpers or something like that from the mid-range, made like five buckets before he sat down for the rest of the game. So for me, if I'm Willie – I let BI do what BI does best, and that is number one, be a scorer. So be like Donovan Mitchell out there and try and get yours when you think you've got an advantage. Just don't go just trying to beat up on double teams or dribble the hell out of the ball, but be decisive and look to score. But if not, then set up your teammates because you're very capable of that. And that's something that you know Willie Green mentioned in the first few practices. I didn't know Brandon Ingram could pass that well. So I think he's going to ask him to do basically that kind of multiple role, be a true star. But I think this year I'm getting the vibe that he's going to be able to actually fulfill a lot of those responsibilities a lot better.
4: All right. We'll look, we'll look Wait, so, so, so you're saying that a point five offense isn't that he's going to catch the ball on the cross screen, not like the lineup and then dribble back out to the hash mark, <laughs> take five more seconds to very obviously call out for a pick and roll from Steven Adams and then take six more seconds to get into the screen and set it up?
3: (laughs) No, I think B.I. isn't going to be under that strict (laughs) adherence under Willie, of course, of the .5. But I think the message was heard. I saw in that first preseason game, man, he really didn't pound the rock trying to find the lane and then settling for something. He really was decisive either on a drive or looking for a shot and getting to it. And I think yep. we're going to see that from uh, B.I.
1: If he does that every night, if he gets into his decision-making very quickly, if you see yeah. it say, go, off the dribble, the, the pass will come off of that. If he goes into the post, the pass will come off of that. When he starts thinking he is the point guard, that's when he gets messed up. Because Yeah, but let's,
3: let's be serious. We should blame Stan partially for this because it's true. The ball was find B.I. or find Zion. And so they were almost allowed to basically search – and find the route for the offense, right? To pound the, basically, shit out of the ball into the
1: floor. But, but I mean, look. So, that's Zion what I'm saying. I'm not in, holding Zion exactly in, what happened in 85 last 85 games, yeah. but Brandon is further along. Brandon made sure. some bad decisions that Brandon's got to be accountable for, too. And, and you we like, how like, started last we, year? We can, we can had shit on stand. Right? Yeah, but, but that whole thing, see, we did that with, with Anthony Davis that, that year, and everybody was like, oh, look, AD's going to be the greatest passing big man ever. Don't I don't be taking these outlier games as examples of stuff. I don't want ten assists from Brandon Ingram. That's not what I would. No, that's what Brandon I said. Ingram should be giving Score you five one, assists. passing two. Right? Yeah, five, five, that's six what I'm assists. Saying. Like I don't. Yeah, if that's where he is, that's it's usually that's coming off the scoring. Yeah. But the nights when he's getting nine and ten, it feels like he's got four or five turnovers too. You know Jeez, what I mean? Like I he's just trying too hard to pass. Like don't be that guy. Like be the scorer and let the stuff come off of that. Be, that's what, if you're going to be Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum ain't got no nine, 10 assists every night. Every once in a while, sure. But that ain't what he's there to do. Give me 10 boards, Brandon. Give me a block, Brandon. Do me that. That's what I want to see. <laughs> All right, no picking up, Brandon. I, I, look, I think the, I, I just want to say this. We hold Brandon to a high standard because we expect him to be that. And that's mm-hmm. that's a good thing. I think the fans expect it. And Brandon has said it, and I think this is part of that accountability, too. Is like Mm -hmm. we are starved to see some greatness consistently, and we believe that Brandon Ingram can be consistently great. It's just does he get there? And we want to see him get there. Like, I really would love to
4: see that. I need that guy that hit the Utah Jazz should have been the game winner. I need that guy's mentality because it was a quick, decisive decision and then just (laughs) – Yeah. all right, let's get to our predictions
1: for the first four games of the season, and then we'll wrap uh start with Philly at home uh it looks like Ben Simmons will be back um even though he's playing going to practice with sweatpants and his phone on on uh, <laughs> his hip um but this is still Philly a very talented team uh, that've added some some veterans back to their roster you know they have finals expectations against. A, shorthanded, without Zion Williamson, Pelican squad in its first game. Thoughts, gentlemen? Can yeah, we we'll going go first, game but. by game? I mean, yeah, I'm just going to say on this one, because it's the opener. First, that's, yeah. you know, and everything else is reactionary. So I just want to set it up.
2: Yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think it's going to be a tough game. I mean, there's going to be a lot of adjustments for the Pelicans trying to get a bunch of guys who haven't been playing in the preseason just start playing together in different roles. And you, and even though, you know, you might have some issues with Ben Simmons coming in and maybe he plays, maybe he doesn't. There's a lot of annuity on that Philly roster. And we already talked about the size that they have. So I I don't expect a win opening night. Um, I mean, obviously I'm cheering for one. I hope that I'm wrong. I feel like I'm a lot more pessimistic this year than I'm I'm always, like, too optimistic going into the season, so I'm hoping that this pessimism that I have um, I will be wrong with and and they'll surprise me and they'll gel quickly and and play well even without Zion and maybe with a hobbled Jackson Hayes. But, you know, it's all going to come down to rebounding and turnovers. If we don't have cheap turnovers and if we can, you know, pull our own and rebounding don't necessarily have to win the rebounding battle, but can't get destroyed in it. Then we have a chance, but, you know, even a lot of our big guys aren't great rebounders. So it, it's going to be, um, it's going to be tough. I think.
1: To me, the biggest thing guys, and if we could move on to the next game after this is I'm not looking for the result for this game, because I, I think no matter what, even if Zion were here, it would, they would be underdogs in this game. Um, you know, a fully he- Philly, healthy Philly team versus a fully healthy Pelicans team. They'd be the underdog. But I, I, I'm looking for the effort that we didn't see in the last preseason game. Like a, a legitimate, I want to just see those guys come out and just lay it on the freaking line on day one because that's what they have to, that's the only way they win the fan base out of the gate. Because people understand that their fate are they're going uphill on this one. But you've got to come out like with like your hairs on fire in this one.
3: Yeah, no, I'm with you because you're going up against the, you know, it's a veteran squad, whether Ben Simmons plays or not. Right. I mean, Joel Embiid Harris, you've got Danny Green, Seth Curry. I mean, Tyrese Max, he's proven himself really elevating his game to where he's being talked about often now being possibly a good 30 minute player as soon as this year. So yeah, the Pelicans, the only way they're going to win and and against what the top 15 teams in this league until they are full at hundred percent with Zion and B.I., is through that effort, and that's something that I feel like this group understands. But you're right; we need to see it on every game because we didn't see it consistently throughout the preseason, like we did in, a, in summer league.
1: Fish, quick thoughts, and then we move on. Um, I think
4: it's actually a good matchup for them. Stay out of foul trouble, um, Garden and bead. As long as as long as the Pelicans have that, um, Philadelphia isn't a team last year that bombarded teams with a lot of threes. Um, they they beat teams by pounding the offensive glass and by getting to the foul line a lot. And those are areas where I feel like the issue is going to be is, is Jonas going to get in foul trouble early because if he if he does, then it becomes a disaster. If he doesn't, then the Pelicans are a hot night from Trey Murphy and Devontae Grant from pulling out the upset. I mean, it, 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 it's that simple. It's, it's really going to come down to can Jonas defend without fouling? Do the refs allow him to defend without fouling? Um, and, be, and then can he give it back to him the other way? So um, I, I, I'm I'm higher on the Pelicans chances just because hopefully it's going to be a pretty full building. It's opening night. Um, there's still, I mean, we're expecting 14 of the 15 guys that are supposed to be on the roster to be healthy and in uniform. So um, and he's he's the best player on the roster, but Silly stuff happens on opening night all the time. So it would be ridiculous for the Pelicans to win this one out. I guess the
1: score don't matter to me. It's just I just want to see how they play. Um, you go to the three-game road trip at Chicago, then two games at Minnesota. Minnesota has not been a good place for the Pelicans the last few years. Chicago hasn't been a good place for the Pelicans the last few years. And then, of course, you have the added dimension in Chicago of Lonzo, and then when you go to Minnesota, you have three legitimate scoring options in Carl Anthony Towns, um, D'Angelo Russell, and Anthony Edwards, in a team in Minnesota that you know again won, uh, didn't win won the series against the Pelicans last season. So, um, do they win two out of three? Do they go zero and three? Are they one and three? Are they three and zero on that road trip? Ollie, we'll start with you.
3: I think through the first four games, they're going to be one and three. I think they're going to grab one of the wins in Minnesota. I don't see how they beat Chicago. They're firing on all cylinders, even though they're missing Patrick Williams in preseason. And I think that vibe's going to carry over because DeMar DeRozan didn't even get himself really going in everything that I followed Chicago did so far in the exhibition. So, yeah, Zach Levine, Levine is going to have an all-NBA season, I think. I think is going to fit in there perfectly. So they're going to be just a tough out because they're going to have – they're going to be capable of putting about 120 points on the board. And I'm not sure the Pelicans are ready for it, as we saw right in the preseason game. As for Minnesota, yeah, they're concerned too. And I think not enough people are talking about them because I think you're right, David, when they're healthy. And look, Cat is finally healthy, and he's not dealing with COVID basically ravaging his whole family, right? So he's probably ready to get going. Anthony Edwards has obviously shown he's taken another step, I think, despite it being preseason. And you know, DeAndre Russell, He's supposedly healthy, too. So we saw those fireworks from those guys in the first half in the preseason opener. So I think that's going to be trouble for New Orleans. But where they're going to be able to win a game is I don't trust Minnesota's defense at all. They've got a couple of tryhards on their uh, roster. But you punch them in the mouth once or twice, they'll fall. And that's why, you know, they stay a mediocre team because they don't have that effort on both ends of the floor consistently enough.
1: Fish, your thoughts after four games where the pills?
4: Um. The Pelicans are miraculously um, still at 500. Um, Either they get the Philly or the Bulls game, um, thanks to a hot night um, from Devontae Graham and Trey, and then um, they'll split the series with Minnesota.
2: Kevin? When we did our our round table, I went through those first games, and I had them at one and and three after this, uh, getting one of those Minnesota games and, I was skeptical to even give him that one, honestly. I just feel like I agree with what Ali said about Chicago. I think that that's a tough matchup for us. And then, I mean, the real weakness of this team, power forward, which we can't exploit right now because we don't have Zion Williamson. Um, I think you know Malik Beasley is also a great scorer on that team Uh, that's going to come off the bench. And I think he can light us up. You know, Anthony Edwards' is super athletic and he grew he's much taller that, um the growth spurt that he went through um, but he's massive D'Angelo Russell could get really hot and then and I agree with what Ali said too about Carl Anthony Towns he's going to be locked in this year he's finally healthy he's finally away from dealing I mean not that you can ever get away from dealing with what he went through Uh, last year, but it's over now and he has some space and he can really focus on basketball and get his mind off of those things. Um, So I I think, and we've traditionally been bad against them. And then the way they looked towards the end of last year, once Chris Fish took over, they looked like a pretty good team. The last 15, 20 games of the season. Um, And, you know, we're going to be dealing with a lot of growing pains. All those, all those teams outside of Chicago have uh, continuity. You know, uh, Chicago's got to work in some new pieces, but the pieces seem to fit well and um, they're well coached. So it's, uh, I think it's going to be a tough start for the Pelicans this year, yeah, as it has I, been. It?
1: Yeah, I think one and three is, is about as best just because, um, like I said, I think Philly is just too, its it's too much for opening night to ask them to play a perfect game, which is what the Pelicans as a group would almost have to play having not played together. Chicago and Minnesota, the biggest issues for me is not only that they're talented and able to score points, it's that they take advantage of the Pelicans. The thing that the Pelicans are going to struggle with the most on offense is turnovers. There will be turnovers. It it doesn't, you know, with this group to start out the season, there will be turnovers. And then you worry for Valanchunas on the defensive end. In the Chicago matchup against Vucevic um, and then against Carl Anthony Towns in Minnesota, um, I worry about him on the perimeter in those matchups. I think you end up getting the split in Minnesota, but other than that, uh, I don't see a win. All right, uh, wrapping you. it up on a down note, man. I'm
4: sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> look, I
4: mean, look, <laughs> I mean look, hey, look, it is, the basketball it is. starts. The basketball starts, and until next week when we're talking about, yeah, it have count. played, that play matters.
1: If they if they get out to a three in one start. Hey, we'll, we'll be glad. I will be far more happy to talk about three and one than I would ever be to talk about one and three. I
3: promise. But David, I think you're point right to point out that it's how they get to that one and three. Are they just flat out blown out and look, you know, inept mm-hmm. on either yeah. end of the floor? Or like God if you forbid, start to see, yeah. You see the or, energy. If yeah, or effort. is it that they're, they're making the right plays and it's just close losses, right? Or right. something like that. Yeah. Yeah, what kind of
1: defense do they play every night? You know what we're looking at, Brandon. We're going to be paying very close attention to Brandon Ingram. We're not. I'm not going to be paying as much attention to Devontae Graham out of the gate. I'm going to give him some time to figure this out. You know what I mean? I'm going to be looking at Nikhil though. What, what are, it is decision making? I'm going to be paying close attention to that. I'm going to be looking at Valanciunas. How invested is he on the defensive end? Is he making sure he gets keeps that side of the of the court up? We saw a lot of toughness in him. In the preseason, I want to see more of it. I want to make sure he is that guy all throughout the season. So those are the things, yeah. And we're looking for Willie. How does he adjust in game? How does he start with this rotation? How does he, you know, what what kind of adjustments do they make with that? Those are the things I'm looking for more than wins until Zion's back, because I don't want to judge too early. And I think that, you know, and be unfair to this team, but it's also not fair to, to be like, well, I think they're going to get off to this fantastic record start just to be positive too. I don't think that's fair to them either.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, just, I have, just want to say, I, I hope Garrett, Garrett Temple doesn't start. I mean, if he does right. and they get off to a bad start, boy, they're already going to start talking about Willie Green's, you know, <laughs> IQ and abilities as a head coach. I don't want to see that kind of
2: start at all. They're already calling him Blitzo. Yeah, I know. I've seen that. Guys, which one of you guys is writing the recap for the first game? I am. Temple of Doom was your headline if they. Okay. If that happens. All right. That sounds
3: good. Yeah. Yes. All right, I guys, feel like well, Kevin's already spoke. Yeah. Kevin's foreseeing the future. Now we're screwed. <laughs> All right, guys. Well,
1: we have, in two days, we will find out the fir- what the first performance of the twenty twenty one twenty two 22 new Orleans Pelicans has looked like. And I'm sure we'll probably convene either Thursday or Friday to talk about that, to give as quick as a reaction as we can to what we saw on opening night. So until then for, Kevin Berrios for David Fisher and Ali Cosell. I am David Grubb. This has been The Bird Calls, and let's go, pelts. <laughs>
0: You for listening to the bird calls on the armchair all-american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today
1: look around you can find cars like these on autotrader like that car riding in your tail or if you're tailgating right now all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time